Welcome to another episode of the Ambry podcast. Today we are sitting with Lydia from Screw the Cubicle. I'm so excited that you're here. Before I pressed record, I was telling you back in 2016, you published an article in the Huffington Post. Um, and that actually fueled my entrepreneurial journey. So I am totally stoked to be sitting here and talking to you and meeting you. Thank you so much for joining. You're very welcome. And I just arrived to Lisbon last night. So it's perfect that I get your, the first person I'm talking to after I got off my flight. And that was such a beautiful story you shared with me right <laughs> before we started recording. So that really just made my day. Oh, I'm so glad. How was your travels? It was good. And Lisbon is so beautiful. I, I lived here actually about five or six years ago. It's changed a lot, but still one of the most beautiful places that I love in Europe. And you have the luxury of being able to travel and kind of play by your own rules. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, I'm a work reinvention coach and a solopreneur strategist. And as you mentioned, I, you know, I, I, I'm the owner of Screw the Cubicle. And it's actually this month um, in about a week will be my 10th year anniversary for Screw the Cubicle. So that's going to be a big milestone to celebrate. Um, and it'll be about 11 and a half years since I quit my j corporate job. So that's another milestone <laughs> as well. And it's definitely was another life, another chapter then. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, a lot of this didn't start, you know, the location independency um, wasn't something I dreamt about in the beginning of time when I first quit my job to become an entrepreneur. You know, I was just thinking, I am lucky to be able to work for myself, <laughs> sometimes work for my pajamas at home. That sounds great, <laughs> right? but it didn't, you know, it's been such a wonderful, um, you know, experience in the last decade of exploring, you know, different lifestyle choices that I have with my life while I continue to build my business, continue to understand what that alignment of that sweet spot of like, what's enough work. What do I, what are the assets I really think about, you know, that are important to me, like time, you know, being able to work less, experience more. Um, I'm someone that's a, a sort of um, a fan of what I call like tiny, but mighty businesses. You know, I, when I first began, my goal was to build a big empire, have a big team, have lots of programs, lots of offerings and sort of, you know, the trajectory of what you see coaches out there do. And then I did do that in 2015 and had a major burnout. Uh, my second biggest burnout, which was after my corporate burnout <laughs> a few years ago. So, you know, they'll say, you know, the saying that I say is like, you can take the girl out of corporate, but you can sometimes not take the corporate mindset out of the gal, you know? And so, from that circumstance, I really learned to understand what was that meaningful business and what that what's that model of work that was right for me that I can't always be mimicking out there in the world, you know? So it, my own experiences have really, in a way, informed how I coach and what I coach on and what how I define business, how I define success. Um, and yeah, I've been very blessed to be working with really talented people, you know, in the last decade. They're mainly mid-professionals. Um, they are people who actually enjoy work. They don't want to not do work. Um, what they are looking for is meaningful work and work that is something they're proud to wake up for every morning. And it's also work that allows them to be in their zone of genius, in, you know, that natural tendency of how they help and how they contribute value to the world. Um, and of course, having that flexibility to make lifestyle choices, you know, whether you have a family and you want to spend more time with them, or you're a little bit like me, where you have itchy feet and love to have multiple home bases around the world and 
as and travel as a lifestyle, you know, whatever that is, that flexibility is really important in how I coach my clients to develop a business that's not only right for them personally, but right for the lifestyle choices that they want to have. And it might not be um, a singular secret that you can share, but when you're talking to your clients about, hey, you're going to go into a business, um, this is what you want your success to look like. What's your secret to defining success in business that truly resonates with their vision? And how does Mm. someone gauge what enough means for growth? That's such a good question. Um, I'm still trying to figure out what my enough is. (laughs) And it changes. It changes in every chapter of my life. And I think that's one thing that I talk about a lot with my clients that sometimes will come to me and say, you know, can you help me with the perfect business plan? Can you help me with the perfect ideal niche or focus of work? What's the thing that's my purpose? You know, that big P word. Um, And my answer is nobody knows. Uh, We know what is right for right now. You know, so literally I have a thing that's like, I can help you find your right for right now business, (laughs) not the business that is on your gravestone or, you know, the thing that you die with, because I think that's that Western world perfectionism, you know, sort of attitude we have about like, I just got to get it right. I have to do the right thing. You know, we're taught that since, I don't know, like when we were graduating high school, it's like, you better pick the right degree. And as if we're going to know that at 17 years old, like getting the right vocation and you cross your fingers that that's the right thing you graduate with, you get a job, you are in that job for 25 years or so, you know, you get the pension plan and then you live your life, right? That's sort of the trajectory of life that we've been taught. And I think there's, you know, um, it's such a disservice, I think, to the the human nature of creativity and change that we are always constantly evolving and changing. And it doesn't um, speak to that fact that actually it's okay to not know 100% of what things should look like, but we are able to look at what we have available to us, right? what resources, what skill sets, what experiences already are here and look at how we can reinvent or repurpose the way we do things. You know, so when a lot of people come to me, they were who I was, you know, 12 years ago when I had a major burnout in my corporate career and sort of went, I don't ever want to do anything on my resume ever again. You know, it's sort of like, it's like having a divorce, you know, you're like, I'll never get into a relationship again, but actually it's just, that was just not the right person for you anymore. Right. And mm-hmm. so doesn't mean you shouldn't date, doesn't mean you shouldn't get married again or whatever is your sense of commitment, but it's about choosing a different alignment of of a thing, right? A career choice or a work focus that's right for you. And so um, I think where I really start with people when it comes to defining an ideal business, what's successful for them today is really looking at what is available in their their portfolio of skills and and, and choosing. You know, we don't need to do everything that we know how to do. What do we want to do that we can tweak and you know, in reinvent to make it more meaningful, even something just serving a different audience type with the same skill set can change everything about that skill set, right? Or using that skill set for a different outcome can change everything. So success to me really is about, are you in alignment with the kind of work that brings you joy? And are you doing it in such a way that you feel, you know, you don't have to become someone different to do that? Right. And that is when my clients start making more income, making more money, aligning with better clients, because they're not just trying to help everybody. They're very focused on what's right for them. And you actually did that at the very beginning. You were able to, you didn't just exit out of 
corporate America and like, see you later. You redefined what your position was and actually turned it into, um, I'm no longer your employee. I'm now a paid consultant for you. Mm -hmm. And this is how many hours I'm working a week. This is what I'm concentrating on. And, and here I'll help you offload the other stuff that I won't be doing to other people. You completely kind of flip the script on what leaving corporate America looks like. Mm, totally. And like, I call that like my lateral leap, you know, like it was lateral. It was really easy. It didn't take a lot of effort. It was really natural for me to have observed my industry that I was in and find gaps in the marketplace that I could fill. And my bosses became my first clients, right? That was the easy route. I mean, don't get me wrong. It took a few rounds of negotiation and, you know, really understanding what's this new role? How do I transfer what I've done, you know, in, to hire someone else and what sorts of parts of this contract of the boundaries of this contract this is, but that was my right for right now idea right. at the time that was going to help me leave corporate immediately. It wasn't like a sexy, you know, beautiful, never been done business idea before, you know, that sort of gem I was looking for. It was just what could help me be slightly closer to my dream life. And having, actually, I'm so glad I did that first before I did my second business through the cubicle, because just being a consultant taught me to be a business owner, taught me to manage my time, taught me to know how to have boundaries around my work, you know, knowing what I can and can't do. And I wasn't on a nine to five schedule, right? Like I've had to be very responsible for my time and no one sort of, you know, breathing down my neck to pressure me to complete certain things. So I had to be, I had to learn, relearn kind of how to be productive again, you know, instead of just filling an eight hour day, because I had right. to be there, you know, it's being really smart about what I was working on and how I worked on it. And so that was sort of my training wheels It's like my internship into entrepreneurship. So that when screw the cubicle, you know, years later became a, a business, it was so much more of an easy transition towards a new thing. That was what I called the faith leap, like something I've never been paid to do before in the beginning of time. And it took more, you know, um, more experience for me to build out that expertise and credibility, you know, but it certainly made the life, you know, going from a consultancy to a coaching business, you know, that pathway was a lot smoother for me because I did a right for right now business that allowed me to leave corporate a little bit more easily. So when we're talking about the right for right now business, and I love the analogy that you you made about training wills, when you got to screw the cubicle and what so many entrepreneurs, small business owners get to, okay, I, I found the thing that I want to do. And you said at the very beginning, what's that perfect business plan? What's that perfect business model that's going to guarantee the results, the return? So can you just share in your experience, some of the game-changing tips that you have implemented in your own or have coached others to do that go towards crafting a business model that harnesses their personality strengths and amplifies the activities aligned with their innate tendencies. So, you know, one of the things that I do in my personal life is I'm, I'm a bit of a minimalist. You know, I'm not that kind of minimalist that just wears black and white and nothing else or, you know, have one one thing and live in a bare house. You know, I'm I think when I think about minimalism is about intentionality, you know, and, and being, a, you know, like an essentialist brain rather than trying to do all the things is doing one thing really well, for example. Right. Focusing on that one big thing. 
trust me, I didn't do this in the beginning, but now that I know what I know, my my way of working on that, where I work best, I think, is actually when I grow something and pay attention to it in ways that I can only do if it's not, you know, nothing else to distract me and get really, you know, craft my mastery, you know, in that one arena of that expertise and experience, right? Um, so I think what has been a game changer for some of my clients is, you know, in corporate, it's a really good thing, for example, when you're in an interview to kind of say like, look, I'm a Swiss army knife. I can do 15 different things. You can, I'm basically filling the role for two people. I'm so good. So it's like you're rewarded for having a multitude of skills to be able to do all sorts of things because they're like, great, I get more bang for buck <laughs> if right. I hired you. Right. Yeah. But as an entrepreneur, this is a nightmare because now you have to, you know, you won't have a lot of systems in place because there's so many starting points with a client. You solve a hundred problems. People don't really even know you for something specific because you're a generalist rather than a specialist. And as a new entrepreneur, that's really hard to stand out from the sea of sameness in the marketplace, because if you're everything to everyone, you're kind of no one, right? Like to everyone. And right. so- it takes a bit of practice because I think, again, it's unlearning the mindset that we developed in corporate to please, to people please, and want to be all things to everyone and and be able to kind of go, actually, if I only choose one area of one problem to solve, just one problem to solve for one specific type of avatar now that's in one stage of their life or their business or whatever it is you solve and just focus there and have the abundant mindset of that. There's probably a lot of people just in this area. And if I dive deeper into this problem and share more of my expertise around this arena versus sharing 15 topics at all times about every problem to solve for this person, then people will actually listen to you. You will actually be good at your work. And to me, it's all about being good in your business rather than looking good, which is mm -hmm. like, right? Looking good is like yep. offering all the things, having the best looking brand. People don't actually care about that. They really care about, you know, when they see how much you're passionate about one thing, you know, and you do that thing and you repeat that thing all the time, you are just really known for it and you get really good at it. You know, and then you can choose to expand your offerings if you want to. So I think that's really been a, sh a great shift, you know, for my clients to like focus, get things done and see who to target really quickly right from the get go. And they just get more clients they get more sales, you what know, a, in that beginning of time. What a big transition. What a big exercise transitioning <laughs> though. It's, it's like, okay, well, what do I, out of all the things that I, I know how to do that I've done, mm -hmm. what do I enjoy most doing? And then being met, I, I wouldn't say immediately, but almost immediately with, I don't know everything around this one thing that I very much enjoy that I'm going to focus and concentrate on. So now they're, mm. they're going into a learning, it kind of tends to a reinvention um, it is of, of yourself and, and entrepreneurship often involves that reinvention. So could you reveal Absolutely. your top strategies for staying resilient mm. in the face of uncertainty, especially during these major life and career transitions? Anbri is thrilled to present a new community crafted exclusively for you. Elevate your business game with a powerhouse combination of knowledge, networking, and personalized support. Connect with a tribe of like-minded entrepreneurs and small business owners who share your passion. Exchange ideas, collaborate on exciting ventures, and propel each other's growth to new heights. 
Our interactive workshops led by industry experts cover the full spectrum of marketing, finance, branding, and beyond. Experience the magic of a weekly live kickoff call with Anbury to guide you through streamlining processes, overcoming obstacles, and securing those well-deserved wins. Together, we'll conquer challenges, offer advice, and celebrate victories, making the journey all the more rewarding. Ready to soar? Join the Anbury Village today and unlock a treasure trove of benefits designed to skyrocket your business success. Register now at Anbury.com and be part of this extraordinary journey. Your business deserves nothing less than greatness. Let's make it happen together. That's such a good question because we are always in uncertainty. I think even, especially as we've, we've gone through a pandemic, post-pandemic, like things feel ooh, a little shaky, like how things can go all the time. And, and humans don't like being uncertain. You know, we'd like to know there's a solid plan for us to feel safe. And that's okay. You know, that is totally normal to want to be safe and want to do things, to, you know, without risking everything. And that's the key thing. We do not have to risk everything. And I think there's a kind of interesting messaging sometimes out there with coaches and business people that is like, it's very cheerleadery. It's kind of like, you can do anything, you can do it all, you know? And so it's, there's this message about like, if you're not like that, if you're not like jumping off a cliff kind of person, um, you're not an entrepreneur. You know, you have to be like the Elon Musk style, you know, Steve Jobs kind of attitude of like, you will be willing to sleep on a couch <laughs> in order to have a business. And it's like, I don't want to do that. I'm a calculated risk girl. I've always been that way. And that's okay. You know, and calc and I think we can take risks. That's how I, I've always managed my own uncertainty. Like even things like move, you know, moving to Bali or having this lifestyle. Like I'm constantly, every year I'm in an uncertain place. I live in a different country. I have to learn a new language. I don't know where the grocery store is. Like my life is always never stable in that traditional sense of I know where everything is at all times. That's good. I like that's kind of I'm alive. I can I like doing that. But if in order for me to take those risks, to move to a new country, to experience something new, the minute my brain starts to think, oh, this is a permanent move. I have to make sure Lisbon is my thing or I need to make sure Bali is my forever home. Then I start to panic because I don't know if this is true. Right. Same thing with the business idea. You, if you were to say, this is my forever business, I'm always stuck with this idea forever and ever, then you probably wouldn't make a move because it feels like a bit of a marriage. It feels like it's too big of a commitment, you know? And then we procrastinate in self-sabotage because we tend to go, well, that's not, I don't know that for sure. So I, I need to wait. I need to wait till I get hit by this instinct that this is the right move, right? But that's not how things work. It's about these tiny little moves incrementally that creates the right move, right? So then how do we get unstuck from that sort of perfectionism mode again, right? Of wanting everything to line up. So giving you an example for my move to Bali, I, originally my only intention when I left Vancouver was I was going to explore for three to six months outside of Vancouver. If I hate it, I can always return and life is as usual. But if I said, I'm just going to move and pack up everything, and this is my only decision and choice forever and ever, I ain't leaving, right? So I had to give myself a little pep talk. We're like, just three months. Don't think about anything for the next three months. Just go with it. You can still, then we, we have a buffer point in three months time. We check in again. If it's something we hate, we just reversed and do the next thing, right? It's not a forever permanent decision. And I think that's how we have to look at uncertainty is that we, again, only know what could be a tiny inch of a step, right? And that step is not permanent. 
is something to experiment with. I think we have lost the art of ex experimentation. You know, when I think about college days or university days, it's very normal, for example, to have an internship, right? You want to be a lawyer? Go and intern in different types of law niches to see what you want to be a criminal lawyer, you want to be a corporate lawyer. You don't know. Of course you don't know. You've never stepped into the shoes of that industry. What's the difference with a business? You never stepped into the shoes of that role before. Of course, you have to test it out. Of course, you have to explore it, you know? So one of the things I do that I think is so helpful to my clients is something I certainly did when I launched my coaching business, because I was never a coach 10 years ago, um, is to be able to kind of do this beta test you know, experience for a few months, just to try things on for size, work with as many humans that I can work with and almost give myself this container of this is a test. My clients know it's a test. Everyone knows it's a test, but what they're going to be guaranteed is that I'm going to show up and do my best. And if they're willing to give me that time, they're willing to help me co-create and collaborate with me to what this can be, then I'm happy to give my all for that three months of a test, right? That's how I started Screw the Cubicle because it was never meant to be a business, by the way. It started as a blog. I just wanted to blog. It was my uh, diary of my identity crisis <laughs> going through employee to entrepreneur. And it wasn't until a lawyer from Toronto emailed me one day and said, hey, how much do you charge for coaching services? Um, and I went, what's a coach? I had to Google it. <laughs> and so I went, can I be a coach? I don't want to go, but I don't, I'm not a therapist. I'm way too blunt to be a therapist. So what is this all about? So I had to experiment, you know, go to coaching courses, like take up a couple of guinea pigs. I worked with eight clients for free for two months just to see where I stood with, is it career coaching? Is it business coaching? Is it consultancy coaching? I didn't know what it was, you know? So I just went, I'm going to, I'm, we're going to talk once a week. If you trust me, here's what I've done. I'm not quite sure if I can do it for you just yet, but that's the point is I'm going to give you my time as a way of an exchange. And it was a beautiful experience. It really got me to understand what kind of coach I was, what are some of the topics that I love talking about, what were some of the things that were no-go for me, what kind of clients were right for me. You know, It gave me a real hands-on experience that then completely catapulted my journey to be a coach, right? Because I knew I didn't spend money on a website and do all the things you're supposed to do in business. I just did the work. And that was the game changer for me, you know? So when I work with my clients these days, they'll want to start to get a website because it's pretty. They're like, we need a website. We need a social media. I'm like, you don't need any of that until you do the work, right? And then when they do the work, they get it. They get what their messaging is. They get who they are. They get what their clients loved about that work. They get where to tweak and improve their offering before it goes into launch. It's such an important step that I, I totally missed, you know, for my first consulting business, but, you know, it's something that I, I, I still do with clients in the last decade, which I think has been so, so, so beneficial. I think a lot of people miss that. I don't think that they know that that's an option to just, you know what, I'm just going to go out there. I'm going to try to find a few people that need what I'm selling and we're going to try this out. You're creating your own in internship. You're interning yourself out there That's right. to see if this thing has has legs. Exactly. And that, and that's such an interesting fresh take on how to enter into business. And I think a lot of people might interchange the well just jump in, don't be afraid to fail, just go and you'll figure it out as you go, but you're really speaking to the mindset of the to-do list. Okay, well I'll jump in. I'll go, but I need to do this first, then this. And then this, and you're saying, stop, 
just go see if you like it. And if you like it, then your website, your content, your social media, that will all come organically to you. And it'll be, wouldn't you say, even more powerful because you already have this testimonial and this fired up passion of experience. Yeah, you hit it on the head. Like I always look, use the analogy of building a house. It's like we have to build the foundation of the house, right? Which is your business. So the architecture, you know, the like layout, the found fundamentals of what this is all about for you before you start marketing, which is the open house. You know, you start inviting the neighbors and everyone to go tour the house. You don't have a house just yet. Right. You know, so, but it's hard for people, I think, because they look at businesses that exist out there and it's an established business. So they only look at it as a finished product, right? Which is a, a business that, of course, they have great messaging. They've been doing this for a long time. They've worked with real humans. That's why they know what to say. That's what they know they'll put, they'll put on their sales pages and all those things. It's the pretty aesthetics that we see. We don't see behind the scenes about what happens in a business. So I always call my work the unsexy part of business, but it's sexy in the sense of that when you're ready to open those doors to create invitations for people to check you out and explore what you do, you're confident. You know what I mean? You're not just saying, I hope I know what I'm doing. You're saying, it's not my first rodeo. I have worked with some people and here's what they thought about it. And I've got social proof for my work. I've done the work to know what it feels like to have a framework of my process with clients, what stump, you know, stumbling blocks my clients might have. I might have some tools I've pre-created for my clients to make it easy for them to work through things. You know, you, you're ready with assets, in your business. It's not just your time people pay for. It's the speed and the efficiency of the work, you know? So we do have to do the work <laughs> in order to be paid for the work, you know? It's right. logical, but we don't really think that way because I think, like I said, there's this kind of very sexy messaging of like, just, you know, have a great brand and look good on camera and do all these amazing, you know, aesthetically pleasing things. But it's less about how do you, how do you make sure you're good at what you do? How do you make sure your clients are raving fans? How do you make sure you enjoy the work and are doing it in a style that fits your personality type and a way that you enjoy work? You know, 80% of my clients are introverts. So for example, you know, if they have to do the format of coaching the way I do it, they'll want to, you know, they'll, it's a nightmare. They'll want to quit right away. It's not part of their personality type. Not to say they don't like working with people, but the how they work with clients and the kind of spaciousness they need to have a breather, to think about it before they respond, you know, they don't want to be on calls all the time. You know, they want different ways of communication. Um, if we don't figure out the ingredients of how that model of work, of how you show up for work, um, that will cause dissatisfaction. And the next thing you know, you'll hate your work. And unfortunately, you're the boss. Right. <laughs> no one to blame. Right. Right. And a lot of people will cut and run because they start hating the work when They'll in reality, they're hating how they're doing the work. That's it. And then they mistakenly say, I'm not meant to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I'm not cut out to be a business owner, but it's not about that. That's such, that makes me so sad when people check out before they should, because actually it's, it's just, they've been following a certain trajectory or a way of mirroring someone else. That's just not how they do it. it doesn't, it's like dating the wrong person. You know, it's not your fault, but we have to be responsible and accountable to crafting and designing our business instead of leaving it to chance or thinking you'll take a course and do a paint by numbers way of getting a business model. We need to be responsible for the business we're building instead of allowing, you know, other people to dictate what it is that we should be building. Outside of having that moment of, we'll call it doubt, hey, this isn't working the way that I thought, perhaps I need to go back. I think there's a, a whole lot of other folks that are in the camp of, 
we are living in an uncertain time. Looking ahead at the future of work and the dynamic landscape of entrepreneurship, small business owner, what core principles or actionable advice would you recommend for them so that they can keep on thriving in an ever-changing environment? I think one of the things that we should be thinking about because especially after the pandemic, it's become the world is becoming a lot smaller. You know, like even being in Lisbon this time around, you know, I was here six or seven years ago and it's changed completely. There's so many international, it's like an international hub. You know, even the food, I remember not having to find a salad. <laughs> Everything was Portuguese food. And now it's like, it's like I'm back in Canada. You know, there's amazing varieties of food and people and accessibility of everything. You know, the world is going more global. Home is not just your zip code. People are moving. There's families raising their kids abroad. You know, homeschooling is a thing. Um, not wanting to be bogged down by a mortgage and just staying in one city or neighborhood at all year. Uh, you know, remote work is a big thing now, right? Like when I first started going out to Bali and taking consulting calls, people were like, what? You know, I didn't have Zoom. I had Skype. I had to call people's phone numbers. You know, remote work wasn't even a thing then. Now it's like normal. You know, nobody's going to um, blink an eye if you said I'll meet on Zoom, <laughs> you know, right. as a consult. Right. So it's really opened up the opportunity to work beyond your borders, to get clients beyond your borders. And there's more abundance of options in terms of where you can showcase your talents and receive interest for your services. But you have to think bigger than just promotion in just your country or even just your own people in a way. Because sometimes, like it's like, for example, like I have a lot of clients from Singapore, you know, um, I never worked with Singaporeans when I was in Vancouver, but because I'm closer to the time zone of Singapore and they don't have as many of the kind of, you know, I don't have much competition <laughs> in that this side of the world. And the fact that I'm just even in their time zone, I win, you know, I'm already ahead. They'll pick, choose me, not just that reason, but there's a, that's a big perk of being in that time zone when I'm in Bali, right? The fact that, um, they don't have another, there's no such thing as a corporate escape coach or anyone that even does what I do, you know? And so they are like, how have I not heard of you? But, you know, in America, there's tons of coaches, there's tons, it's a very saturated market. So it can feel a bit like, oh God, everyone's already doing this. I'm never going to be seen. So we have to strategically place ourselves in, I think, different parts of the world um, and be, be able to, to know that we can make a stable income and we can certainly have a thriving business if we are to be open-minded and look at marketplaces and look at, you know, niches, you know, outside of our own zip code that would need our services that don't have access to that as effectively sometimes, right? But to me, one of the bigger changes, which I'm very excited about, is this combination of people are really thinking about life and work together, not just a weekend thing, you know, not just a, when I'm on holiday, I'll live my life. When it's Saturday and Sunday, I live my life. They want this life and work to blend, you know, so that they do have a life that they can be happy about, not just waiting for the weekends, waiting for the holiday time. And so in that sense, I think more people are looking for, you know, not just any job or not just any business that makes money. They are also looking for a business or work or even remote gigs or contract work with companies that 
are okay with remote work, you know, and employees so that they can live their lives and be able to have pleasure and fulfillment now instead of waiting for a retirement. You know, and and I think the pandemic was a bit of like what I call like a bit of a pattern interrupt of our like robotic monotonous right. way of living, you know, where when all of a sudden we have to look at our lives because we're stuck at home, we have to kind of just see, okay, this is what I got to work with. I can't distract myself with anything else being busy. We were no longer busy. So we had to have this rude awakening of like, oh, this is actually my life or this is, you know, you start to realize what you like or don't like about your life pretty well, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. during that phase of the world. And so it, it, that wake up, I think has, yes, caused a lot of people to make different decisions, prepare for different decisions, uh, not to be foolhardy about it, but like, you know, a lot of my clients, for example, are like, I don't need two cars in the garage. What's, why is it just sitting there? I should just have more disposable income or, you know, I don't need this huge house. I can downsize to an apartment so that I can actually have a sabbatical for a year and rest so that my head is clear. And then I can make my next move for my next big thing, you know? So I, I think we've realized time is a, a currency, you know, meaningful time is a currency and no longer are we as swayed by big, you know, salaries and, you know, those sort of carrot sticks. I think people are demanding more from their jobs, demanding more from their work. And I think that's a good thing, you know, that we right. can start to have that conversation. I think the last couple of years, it was um, it was an interruption to the status quo. And instead of people talking about work-life balance as this concept, they started to have to actually live a work-life. It was forced on them to balance mm. life and work in the same space. And some of them, you know, I'm sure there was, there was a, a portion that was like, I can't wait to get back to the office. They like that compartmentalizing. They like, they like that separation. But I think a lot of other folks were like, this is doable. I can do yeah. this. And I, and I enjoy it more. Um, so for those that are in that camp that are thinking about starting um, their own entrepreneurial journey, their own business, for those that have already started, but maybe they're at that, hey, I need to reinvent or I need to refocus. How can folks get in touch with you? My website is the sort of my home base of where you can find, you know, the best resources. I always say to start with my YouTube channel. So there's, if you go to my website, screwthecubicle.com, right at the homepage at the bottom, there's all the ways, you know, you go on the blog if you want that sort of the curated blogs and video blogs, I should say, of my content. But my YouTube channel is like the most bingeable sort of, you know, area of where you can start because the playlists are separated by stages of where you're at, right? So if you're in that career transition phase, go through the career change transition playlist. If you're about what's my what's my idea, what should I do for work? Go through towards the start a meaningful work or start a meaningful business playlist. You know, if you're already a solopreneur but are not getting clients or not getting enough clients to uh, sustain yourself, go to the solopreneur mar- solopreneur marketing playlist, right? Um that that would be my best content, you know, to kind of get a sense of what I'm about. And I do, I do so many videos that is a great library of free free resources that you can dig into right now. Um, the second place that I, people find really helpful, especially after you've listened to this conversation, you are wondering, what business should I start? You know, how do I kind of get to a uh, an area of focus when maybe I'm a bit of a jack of all trades? I mean, my resume looked like it was for five different people. You know, I, I had a lot of interest. Some of my clients feel that way too. And so I have a, a free quiz right 
the top of my website, um, which is literally what business should I start based on my personality type. Um, and it is has been really helpful for people to narrow um, their focus, not on like just a business type, but the the most natural and most valuable way they show up in 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 terms of how they help right and what sorts of online service-based business models most align with that personality type and genius zone and then the results and also the the helpful supportive emails after that will help you to see what ways you can create offerings and how you position yourself potentially in a business based on that personality type so that can sometimes really spark ideas for people or validate oh i am on the right track and that quiz is a, a really really helpful tool as well for them everyone who's listening you can go to screw the and you'll find the quiz you'll also be able to connect with the youtube channel um follow you on facebook instagram linkedin all that good stuff and check out the blog which is yes. amazing by the way lydia i as we come to a close i just want to thank you for taking the time especially after a big travel day um just to sit with us and answer answer our questions and give us your insight i really do appreciate that thank you for such a meaningful conversation i love that